0: So we read through First Thessalonians this morning. Oh, sorry, we read through the first chapter of Thessalonians this morning. Now we're on to chapter two of First Thessalonians. Yeah, sorry if I confused you um, there. So let's just start by uh, reading the passage together. We're going to read to verse. 7 16 we're going to read the first 16 verses and it says brothers and sisters you know our visit to you was not a failure before we came to you we suffered in philippi people there insulted us as you know and many people were against us but our god helped us to be brave and to tell you his good news Our appeal does not come from lies or wrong reasons, nor were we trying to trick you. But we speak the good news because God tested us and trusted us to do it. When we speak, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know that we never tried to influence you by saying nice things about you. We were not trying to get your money, We had no selfishness to hide from you. God knows that this is true. We were not looking for human praise from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have used our authority over you. But we were very gentle with you, like a mother caring for her little child. Because we loved you, we were happy to share not only God's good news with you, but even our own lives. You had become so dear to us, brothers and sisters. I know you remember our hard work and difficulties. We worked night and day so that we would not burden any of you while we preached God's good news to you. When we were with you, we lived a holy and honest way without fault. You know that this is true and so does God. You know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We encouraged you, we urged you, we insisted that you live good lives for God who calls you to his glorious kingdom. Also we thank God because when you heard this message from us you accepted it as the word of God not the words of humans and it really is God's message which which works in you who believe. Brothers and sisters, your experiences have been like those of the churches—sorry, uh, those of God's churches in Christ—that are in Judea. You suffered from the people of your own country, as they suffered from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and forced us to leave that country. They do not please God, and they are against all people. They tried to stop us from teaching those who are not Jews, so that the They may be saved by doing this they are increasing their sins to the limit and the anger of god has come down to them at last so we'll just stop reading there and we'll start reviewing what the apostles are trying to teach us from sharing these thoughts as i said i was saying this morning and teaching from first thessalonians 1 and to really understand chapter 2 we need to look at it in context of what it says in chapter 1 and in chapter 1 as we can see Basically, we're meant to show people God through our lives, through all aspects of our lives, the good times and the bad, the suffering and the pain, as well as the joy and the happiness. Because sometimes we only want people to see the best face that we can have, the good part of us, the best parts of us. But the thing is, God wants to use our hurt and pain to shape us. He wants to use all of the the good things in our life to actually mold us and to actually make us into His image. Even though we sometimes try and hide parts of our lives away, maybe the stuff we're ashamed of, the mistakes we've made, the mistakes even we're making, we sometimes try and hide. We sometimes try and hide that away from God, but God sees through it all. But you know what, people in the world, people who don't know God, relate more to the mess of our lives than the good things in our lives they relate more to the hurt and the pain because to be honest most people are suffering hurt and pain in this life most people who don't know God don't know a peace that passes all understanding they don't know um, joy in the middle of finding out the worst results you could possibly find they don't know what it feels like to actually be joyful even in death even in hurt even in pain even in sickness and this is what it, this is this is what 1st Thessalonians 1 teaches us is that it's okay to be the way you are it's okay to have been on the journey you've been on but we don't stop there because whenever they arrived they first faced opposition to the point where they were actually thrown out in the end because the opposition was that strong. Because the thing is, this good news that we have, it actually brings division. It actually does. uh, You know, people that don't understand it especially, they actually just rebel against it. People that don't understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus, actually fight back against it. And it's weird because this is a message of love. It's a message of peace. It's a message of um, joy. But yet so many people are hurt by even the thought of being joyful, the thought of being full of peace. It's actually quite ironic isn't it when you think about it that this good news can be so hurtful to so many because and they just basically fight against it. I heard a brilliant analogy once that um, if a bear is caught in a bear trap you might want to go and free it. You might look at it and have compassion on it and love it. You might show all the love in the world to that bear, but to that bear that's hurting, caught in the snare, they're just gonna lash out at anyone because they're hurting, because they're in that snare, because they're trapped by the pain of life. And they end up fighting everyone, even though you're not there to harm it, even though you're only there to show it love, it's gonna snap out at you, it's gonna lash out at you. You know what? And people are gonna struggle with the message that we have because it's so full of love, because it's so full of stuff they don't understand. So they get frustrated and annoyed and they'll lash out. It says, for, we, um, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. The thing is people are used to waiting for a catch. There's nothing for free. The message that we have is free to anybody that wants to receive it, isn't it? Anybody who chooses to accept the message and the love of Jesus it's totally free. It's a free gift. People are waiting on a catch. And in this culture in these days, they're waiting on a catch. They're waiting on a, if you pay this amount of money, you know, or if you do this, if you do that, if you serve so many hours in church, if you, um, you know, if you X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter what, what rules you make up. You know, they're waiting on a catch with Christianity, but there isn't one because it's free to anybody who chooses to accept it. All you've got to do is say yes. It's a free gift, and if a gift is free, there's no strings attached. So people actually don't like it because they don't have to do anything to make themselves worthy. They don't, have to do, they don't have to do anything to receive this gift. And that's another reason why people rebel against it. They think, oh, uh, there must be a cult. There must be some sort of catch. There must be something. You know what? We have to rise above that. We have to show them the truth of Jesus. We have to show them what love is really all about. Even if they lash back at us. Even if they are hurt and even if... They, um, they start slagging us off and saying stuff about us, which is totally untrue. Because it says on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. God knows the motives we have to go out to people. What motives are in your heart whenever you go and speak to your friends and your family and your loved ones? They're pure, they're good motives, you want to share the love of God, you want to share the hope that is placed within you, you want to share the light that God is burning inside your heart. So we can't be distracted by what society says. We can't be distracted into all the arguments of, um, you know, all the doctrines that you should or shouldn't be believing, um, all the latest day fads that are coming along, all all the latest societal pressures of, we should accept this, we should accept that, we should be like this, we should be like that. We need to deny all of that and actually just say, is it in the Bible? Is it what Jesus was like? That's what we have to make our foundation. That's what we have to make it because we have an audience of one. We serve an audience of one. We serve Jesus. God is the only person that we need to actually justify what we do to. That is why we need to stand in pure motives and in love with people. So even as people have died and been martyred over the years, as even as Jesus died on the cross, he prayed. what did he pray for? The people killing him Forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. That's what we need to be like. That's why in the middle of um, suffering, in the middle of pain, in the middle of all things, we need to be like, God be with us. God guide us. We know our hearts and our motives are pure. And we know the good news that we have is actual good news it's actually free and it's good news that you know what, you can be forgiven of all the wrong things you've ever done if you choose to accept it, if you accept the pure gospel of Jesus. That's the message that we have. That's the message of hope that we have. You don't have to be all squeaky clean to come to Jesus. You don't have to be all nice. You don't have to be all proper. You don't have to be um, fitting in with a certain set of beliefs or rules or regulations. You just come to him as you are. But you won't stay as you are because as you as you get to know this love and as you understand more of this love, you find out your identity and what your true identity is meant to be like. And then you rest in your identity in Jesus. That's where it comes from because He God tests our hearts. So there are some times that you're going to feel really close to God. You'll feel on fire for God. And you'll feel like you can take on the whole world and actually convert the whole world in love. And there's other times where you feel like you don't even want to le- um, step outside the front door of your house, or you, want, you don't even want to get out of bed some mornings. But we can't let our feelings detract from the truth. And the truth is that God loves us, full stop. Not because of anything we've done, otherwise we could boast. That's what Ephesians 2 teaches us. It's not of any works, or we could boast about it. It's all by His grace and His mercy which is free. It goes on to say, you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. We cannot con people into faith. We can't tell people, come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. If anything, I found out that whenever I came to Jesus I had more problems just because it brought to surface all the other problems which I didn't even remember I had, I didn't realize I had. It's not that Jesus gives us more problems but the thing is he goes through the problems with us. We don't journey through it alone anymore and that's the thing, we can't use prosperity to sell our faith. There's some people in the world who actually preach, you know what, if you sow a financial seed, you'll, you'll gain financially. There's some people around the world that actually preaches that and teaches that as biblical truth. That if you, if you, give, you know, give 100 pound, you'll get 10 times back or 30 times back. That's not the way God works. You will get blessed and you will, you, you will get blessings, don't get me wrong, because giving, I've never known anybody giving to God who's went bankrupt by just giving what they've got. But the thing is we can't con people in this, into making um, substantial donations into church just so that they can feel like they have a right to this gospel, to the right to the good news. That's not the good news that we have. We can't use money to have a right with God. But the thing is, we can't flatter people either. We can't say, wow, you're so amazing. You know what what you've done in your life and the way you act is so amazing. Because we're all sinful. We all haven't reached the glory of God. We all haven't. Because some people want to hear how amazing they are just to build up their own ego. We can't do that. We have to be real and honest with people. We have to share with them. the truth, because the Apostle said here, we could have used flattery, we could have, you know, we could have flattered you with the stuff that we've done, with the stuff that we've seen, with the stuff that we've heard, even about you. The thing is, they didn't even use their position of influence over them, because they were Apostles, because they walked with Jesus, because they knew Jesus because they um, understood a lot of the depths of the truth. They could have used that to actually influence people in a negative way and actually control them. But we're not meant to be controlled. They actually worked really hard. It says, instead, we were like young children among you, just as nursing mothers cares for her children. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So it brings us back to the previous passage where they said a bit about sharing their whole lives with people. In chapter 1, that's what they talked about. It's about sharing their whole life, letting people into every area of your life. And that's what they did. Life on life makes the biggest difference. It's not about getting it right, but it's about following God's leading within that. So the biggest influence you can have is to be yourself. The biggest influence you can have on your friends and family is to let them see the messy parts as well as the good parts. Because in the middle of the messy part, in the middle of the bit that hurts, in the middle of the pain and suffering, you can actually say, God is with me. We're journeying together with God. I'm not gonna stop journeying with God. And that's how our friends and our family are our best mission field. Because they will see us and they will see the real us. They will see the real you. That's the beautiful thing about it. Because you don't have to worry about the real you. You know what, the, the, the apostles did want to be a burden as they did this, so they actually went out and they got jobs. They were working hard, as the, some of them were tent makers, so they made tents to basically support themselves through this, because it, it's unfair to go to a community and say, you need to support us because we're here to tell you good news because they're not going to understand. They're thinking that they're just going to be there. You're just there to get their money. You're just there to get their stuff. That's why we can't expect anything off anybody that doesn't know God. We have to to accept them as they are. We have to allow them to come in as they are and just be themselves. We have to go out to them whenever they're hurting and broken in the gutter and actually just pick them up and love them. We can't expect anything back from them. That, but that's why we want to serve people. We want to serve them to show them this love of God. Because it doesn't, it baffles all understanding. It doesn't fit into any social structure. Because it's countercultural. Why would you love people who curse at you? Why would you love people who hate you? Why would you love people who judge you? Why would you do that? But that's what we're commanded to do. That's why the apostles worked so hard, because they were like, look, we're not going to be a burden. And you know what? It's amazing that the people of this church actually give enough money to support myself in my ministry. So as I go out and actually show the love of God, I don't have to be a burden on them. And and it gives me more time and frees up my time to actually invest in them and with them. So I can actually see people and actually pull alongside them. You know, it was just amazing to go and spend some time on Friday with Roy, just sitting in the hospital. You know, it was just amazing just to be with him and just, you know, just to just to share a bit with him and, and you know, just see his face just lit up whenever we come into the room, didn't it? He he loves people visiting him. He just loves seeing people that he recognises. So you know, it was just amazing to, and that's part of the ministry, going and encouraging each other. God has called us, and you know, whenever we receive the forgiveness of God, our calling is to go. Our calling isn't to stay in a safe huddle, it isn't to hide away, it's to go and tell people. That's what you're called to do, that's what I'm called to do. You know what? You're the best witness to your community. Do you want to know why? Because whenever you look at what Jesus did, Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. So he was chatting to her and he was talking about living water and he just said, if you knew what I could give you, you'd ask me for water. Even though I'm thirsty now and I want you to give me water, if you knew what I had, you'd ask for what I have. Because he had a peace with God, he, he had a relationship with God and he introduced the Samaritan woman to God. So what, after this woman found out this love of God, what's the first thing she did? She ran back into the town, the town where she knew she was despised, where she knew she had been rejected, where she knew that everybody knew her reputation. She had been married five times. You know, she went at that time of day. In the middle of the day, it's the wrong time of day to go get water. You go first thing in the morning. So she went at midday when she knew nobody would be there. But Jesus was there waiting on her because she was despised. And what's the first thing she, whenever she remembered and she went, wow, this guy knows everything about me, but he still loved me. And she went running into the town and just says, everybody come, come quickly, come see a guy who told me everything I've ever done. You know, but still accepted her and still loved her. That's why we are the best to to reach out to our friends and family. Because you can say, you all know my story. You all know my warts and all. You know my pain. But Jesus still loves me. Jesus loves me, not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's done. That is, the God. That is what we're meant to be. That is the disciples we're meant to be. That is the people we are called to be. We're called to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. So wherever we go... We can witness to God's goodness, witness to God's glory. It it says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Sometimes we come to church and we get so full of knowledge, that we actually get fat on knowledge. And we can know so much, but it doesn't actually go into every area of our lives. So we can hear a million times, love your neighbor, but there's that one person who we're holding a grudge against. There's that one person who we won't, you know, that rubs us up the wrong way, that we hold stuff against. But we have to work so hard to actually apply that truth that we don't hold stuff against them. I remember whenever I was young, I went to this church and um, there was this one guy there who, he was, he was a lovely guy, don't get me wrong, but he just rubbed me up the wrong way. I just didn't really get on with him, or so I thought. And you know what, it was just, it was, it was just really, really hard work being a friend to him. He just one of those personalities that you, you just struggled with. But you know what, after a while I left that church, and he was one of the only ones who stayed in touch. He was one of the only ones who cared enough to actually check in with me. So even though I was so, you know, so wound up and annoyed by the the personality of the of the man, he was actually one of the most genuine there. He actually one of, one of the ones who genuinely cared. So it just shows that even sometimes it's frustrating and hard to work alongside or to to be with some people. Sometimes, you know what. Sometimes they're the most genuine, sometimes they're the most caring. That's why you've got to look beyond the frustrations and then the annoyance at the character of the person. But it was only in, in hindsight I seen the character of the person. So if there is someone in your life who does frustrate you, who does annoy you, and even if, if that is me, I apologize. But you know what? That is, that is what we're meant to do. We're meant to find the Word of God and abide by it. So we do love our neighbor no matter what they do. We do love those people who persecute us and we pray for them. We pray the love of God into their lives. People who judge us, people who bully us, people try to take advantage of us, we pray for them because that is countercultural. Counter- Culture tells you you should be getting one back on them. You should be, you know, you should fight back. You should hit back. If you you can't take advantage of someone, you should. That's what what culture will try and tell us. But this is why we need to know the truth of Jesus and the truth of his message that he brings. That even though Jesus knew that about that woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, he chose to not judge her by that. He let her know, I know the truth about you. But he says, I've got the living water. I've I've got the real truth. Because even she tried to distract him with, uh, with religious arguments. You know, oh, you say we should worship here. Uh, sorry, we say we should worship here. You say we should worship in the temple. Which one is it? And Jesus basically dismissed that and said it doesn't matter. Because that's the thing. People will try and distract you from loving them. People will try and distract you. And, and as soon as they find out you're a Christian, they will ask you really complicated, hard questions. Uh, Somebody asked me a really complicated hard question once and I didn't really even understand the question and I was quite tired at the time So I got really frustrated and annoyed and they were laughing their head off at me because I was so frustrated and annoyed at the question You know, this is years ago and I was just like, you know, uh, but I've learned You know not to get frustrated and annoyed in them ways if I don't know I can I can simply say I don't know I thought at the time I should have the answers to everything if anybody asks me a question about you know, why, you know, why did bad things happen to good people or you know, any sort of the, them sort of questions, I need to know, have airtight answers so I can give them. So, But now I've learned, I don't need to give everybody answers to everything. It's okay to say, can I get back to you? Because if they truly want to know, they won't mind you talking to them again about it. You know, this is why we need to look for God's words and abide by them. This is why we need to read our Bibles daily and actually just go, God, what's the truth that you're speaking into my life? What what can I abide by that'll actually let me reflect you more? That'll let me show you more? Because there's some people in this world and they're gluttons because they're not giving away what they're learning. So they end up basically just feasting on the Bible and they're christian gluttons because they've they feasted on the bible and they they love the bible but they don't give it to anybody else they end up basically being fat with so much and then they end up talking in ways that people don't understand because we've even developed the church language haven't we yeah. so we just need to be careful we need to be careful how we share the gospel which we we're given The thing is, we've got to let, it, let our lives get to the point where we are sharing the good news of God in everything we do and people won't even recognize that it's the teachings of Jesus just because they see it in our lives. I remember it was quite funny, we were at a kid's club once, we were doing it on the beach um, and all week we were talking to this group of kids. Most of well actually none of them were Christians but we were. they came every day to this club from the caravan site um, just beside the beach so they come down and we'd done this whole presentation to them and they were talking we, we were like you know you know you know have you met jesus do you know jesus we were talking to them about jesus and I, and I found it so cute but at the same time i was like oh does she really understand what we're talking about and she turned to me near the end of the week and goes are you jesus she just asked me was that if i was jesus because she was You know, because everything we were teaching her about Jesus, she was waiting for Jesus just to appear and go, here I am, I'm the person you're supposed to be looking for. You know, and she asked me if I was Jesus, and I find it so cute. I was like, I hope that means I'm reflecting a little bit of Jesus. That's what I was hoping it meant, rather than she thought I was actually Jesus. We just need to be careful just how we share what we've got. As we share what we've got, we need to make sure we do it with pure motives and pure heart because we know people with clean hands and a pure heart can ascend God's hill. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to connect with God. We're called to connect deeply with God. People will come against us. There's going to be times where we're going to actually, we'll, we'll have the media even turn against us. We will have reports go out against us because we're standing up for biblical truth. Like Isher's, for instance, back in uh, the, the, uh, the bake, uh, baking a cake company in Northern Ireland, they had to stand up for their religious freedoms, for the, the belief that they had. Because they didn't support the message. They, they loved the man, but they didn't support the message. And media took that and transformed it into they hate gays. But that wasn't the message of Ashers. That never was the message of Ashers. They had served them before and they'd served them again. And I loved even in their final statement after rounding up after the Supreme Court made the ruling, they said they're welcome any time in our bakeries. You know, because media had took it and distorted it and ended it blew out of all proportion. And that's what's going to happen to us as Christians. As we choose to take stands, sometimes they're going to push back sometimes there will be negative media there will be negative comments about us as Christians as we choose to serve God but we can't let that stand against the message of this bible the message of Jesus we have to stand on the truth stand on the foundations of the truth and don't let anything else influence that and that's going to be hard People will try and sway us, people will try and convince us of their arguments, of the culture that we're in, that we shouldn't be acting like that. But we need to know the biblical evidence of why we believe what we believe. I just want to encourage you all, as you live your life in the open, in the light, let your life shine. Let your life be an example to all of the love of Jesus. Because that's What's going to make a difference? Life on life, even in the bad times, even when it hurts. Well, especially when it hurts, because more people relate to the hurt and the pain than they do to the joy and the happiness. You know what? Your life will transform people in ways you never will ever know. That's the truth. Your life will make a difference in people's lives to stand by the truth, stand by the truth and the knowledge of the love of God and the gospel which he has called us to. Let's just pray together. God, you have called us and you have anointed us for this time, for this purpose in this land. God, you, you see the depths of our heart, God. You see the struggles we have. You see what we're wrestling with daily, God. God, give us the strength to stand up for you every moment of every day. And God, even when we feel, even when we make mistakes, God, use them mistakes for your glory, for your good. May they not detract from the message of your gospel, but may they highlight it even more. God, may we just be a vessel that is fit for use and fit for purpose. So God, just use us. Use us to influence our friends and our family. God, the people who we know that don't know you, God, just speak into their lives. Speak a message of hope into their lives. God, we don't condemn those people who fight back against us, God, but we pray for them. We pray your love will invade their life. We pray that, um, in the same words as Jesus, You know, forgive them, God, they don't understand what they're doing. God, just show, surround us with your love. Show us the path to walk and give us the courage to follow you in that path. In Jesus' name.